Thank you. Thank you again to Pastor Mark and to all the leaders here uh, and to all of you um, in the times that we visited Redeemer and the love and care we've already experienced from you just moving back to Cincinnati. We're just very thankful for you. And so uh, it's interesting, Pastor Mark's prayer right before this is basically the sermon I was going to preach. So. Just take everything that I'm going to say now as supplemental to <laughs> Pastor Mark's uh, prayer there. Uh, this morning, we're in the book of Titus, and we'll be in chapters 2 and 3. And just to give you a sense of background as to, as to where we're starting in this scripture, Paul is writing to one of his young protégés, Titus, who is a young pastor, and before our passage, he has given this long list of instructions that apply to different groups of people, such as older men, older women, younger women, younger men, and so on. And as Paul often does when he gives commands or instructions, he tells you why. He gives the, the reason why we should, but also how we can do these things. And so keep that in mind as we start in verse 11. That's what that verse 4 is for. He's explaining why we can and are able to do these things that God asks us to do. So let's begin reading in verse 11. Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, 
so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Amen. This is God's word. Let me pray one more time before we begin. Father, we thank you for your perfect word. We thank you that it is profitable to train us in righteousness. We thank you for the comfort it brings, for the kind rebuke it gives us. Lord, would you soften any hearts that are hard this morning? Any hearts, Lord, that are broken, would you, would you bind with this word? Would you remind us of your kindness and the calling that you've placed upon each of us this morning? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is a microphone okay? Do I need to make any adjustments? Okay. All right, great. So as we've already been talking about this morning, we're approaching a new year. <clears throat> and as many of you have participated in and you know a lot of our neighbors uh, do this, we have New Year's resolutions, right? And you've probably heard the statistic, and I was reading it again this week, that 80% of uh, resolutions that are made at the beginning of the year are usually done by February. <laughs> and that applies to everyone, for the most part. And this morning, I, I'm not saying that you necessarily should make New Year's resolutions, but but that is a good illustration for what we were talking about this morning. Because in that article, they, they list several reasons, and, and I'll come back to that in a little bit, as to why those resolutions often fail. And a lot of it has to do with your starting place, where you start when you're making those resolutions. Uh, or another way we could say it is your foundation when you make those resolutions. What is your starting place? What is the foundation that you're building upon? And everyone, I would say, inside this room and outside this room has a foundation, has a starting place that they are building upon. And so the question is not, do you have a foundation? The question is, what foundation are you building upon? Today, as you go home and as you celebrate in different ways, as you drink the sparkling grape juice, as you maybe watch the ball come down on New Year's Eve, what I want you to take home this morning and into this week is this. Let grace be the foundation you build upon in 2024. Let grace be that foundation you build on in 2024. And as we look uh, at this passage, there's a few things that I want to highlight before we really dig in. Two, two assumptions that Paul makes and that we're making as we go into this text. First of all, I want to emphasize 
And as Paul emphasizes, that we are created for good works. We were created and saved for good works. This is what he says in verse 14, that Jesus gave himself to purify a people for good works. In other words, what that means is that if we are truly grasping grace, if we are truly understanding the salvation that Jesus gives us, it will change us so that we live a life of good works. Not perfectly, but that's our life more and more, is that we live a visible faith that makes people go, what's that? That looks different. That is the assumption that Paul makes. We are created and saved for good works. And second, I want to emphasize, because it's easy to miss, is that these works, these commands in this text that Paul gives to us are impossible for us by ourselves. They are impossible. I mean, look at what he says in verse 1. He says, be submissive to rulers and authorities, be obedient, be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. We can't, we can't do that. We can't do that by ourselves. These commands, they're so absolute. It's almost infuriating a little bit as you're reading this because you're like, really? All people show perfect gentleness to all people? And so as we look ahead to this coming year and to all the challenges that we as families are facing and we as a country are facing with an election year, with everything that's happening in our culture, we need to feel the weight of these commands. This, this is impossible by ourselves. So those are the two things I want you to keep in mind as we're going into this text. Remember, let grace, grace be your foundation that you build upon. And I want to talk about three hows. How do we do that? Because we can't do it on our own. The first how, when we come to let grace be our foundation, is this. Let grace be your foundation by meditating on your salvation. By meditating on your salvation. And what do I mean by that word meditation? I think Pastor, the late pastor Eugene Peterson had a really good illustration for meditation. He recalls one day watching his dog chew a bone. And you've probably seen dogs do this where they, they gnaw at the bone and, and they're getting every little morsel of nourishment from this bone. And he says meditation on scripture is like that, where, where we're so interested in getting every bit of juicy morsel out of the text, out of this truth, so that it goes all the way, that longest journey from our head to our heart, so that it actually changes us from the inside out. That's what we mean when we say, let's meditate on our salvation. Paul he does this. Paul almost can't help himself in the scriptures. He takes every opportunity to remind his hearers of the grace of salvation. He says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation, training us to renounce ungodliness. He says, Jesus Christ, in verse 14, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. 
And then later in verses 4 and 5, he says, When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of our works, but through his mercy and by the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Paul explodes in this profession of, of joy in light of the salvation that Jesus has brought his people. And so let's, let's gnaw on the bone a little bit, as it were. Let's, let's chew on this a little bit. I want, I want to highlight a few things about your salvation from this text that it could be easy to miss. First of all, I want you to see Jesus, he didn't give only a little bit of help. He didn't only give you resources. He didn't only give you a few trinkets to help you. He gave himself. Jesus gave himself to save you. That is the most glorious, intimate thing that we could ever experience is that God himself in the flesh gave himself as a little baby so that we might be saved from our sins. Don't skip over that. Don't skip over that. Also, do you notice what Paul does? He, he makes this subtle or, or not so subtle claim to Jesus' deity. He says in verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, actually wait, I think I'm looking in the wrong verse here. Um, oh, verse 13, 2 verse 13. He says, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God and Savior. Jesus is God. That means the one who saves you is God, which you might be thinking, okay, where, where are we going with this? The fact that God saved you means that your salvation is unbreakable. It's absolute. Because who can go against God? That is the kind of salvation we have that it is unbreakable, it is unchanging. Once God saves you, you are secure in his hands. Don't skip over that. Chew on that. And lastly, although we could say much more, Jesus saved us because of his kindness and love. He says in verse 4, it was the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. His heart towards you is one of loving kindness. That is what drove him to pursue you and make you his own. And so let grace be your foundation. The only way that we're going to stay on that foundation of grace is remembering what we have. Because we might know something, but we don't really know it fully. We're always learning more. We're always letting that truth sink down deeper into our hearts. So let grace be your foundation in 2024 by meditating on your salvation. But second, let grace be your foundation by walking in the Spirit. By walking in the Spirit. That phrase, walking in the Spirit, should be familiar to most of us. It's a a verse in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, where Paul says, If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And included in this salvation uh, that Paul is explaining here, he says in verse 5 that Jesus saved us 
by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want to highlight two things about the gift of the Holy Spirit that helps us stay on that foundation of grace. He says, washing of regeneration. And and we see a picture, a beautiful picture in baptism of the washing of the Holy Spirit, cleansing us of our sin so that we no longer, so that the, the presence of sin is still in our lives, but its ultimate power to paralyze us has been broken. We have received the washing of regeneration. And what does washing have to do with building on a foundation of grace? Well, one of the biggest reasons that that we are hindered, that we are often stopped from doing the good works that God has prepared for us to do, is, is we are hindered by our shame and our guilt. Oftentimes of the sins that we've experienced in the past. And it means that even though we have been saved by grace through faith, we know that we can often still live as if our old identity is what dominates us. That shame and guilt is still clinging to us. And so you might, experiencing, you might, you might experience these subtle whispering voices that creep up in your heart. Maybe you've really struggled with the doubt and there's a voice that says, you don't really believe this Christianity thing. How, how, can you, how can you claim to follow Christ? How can you do these good works? How can you bear witness to Jesus in your workplace? Or there may be a voice that says, you're, you're too sexually broken to be of use in Jesus' church. What use could you be? Or you yell at your kids. You know that, right? You're, you're not a good parent. You can't invite your neighbors to your house. They, they might see something like that. Those voices come up, don't they? They can be sneaky. And what they're telling you is that you're still enslaved by those things so that you can't be useful in Christ's kingdom. But you have been washed the washing of regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Again, that doesn't mean that sin has somehow disappeared from our lives, but it means we have been cleansed, we have been washed, and so we can live in the freedom of that cleansing of the Holy Spirit. So when those voices come up in your heart, you can say, yes, that is part of my story, but I have received the washing of the Holy Spirit, and he can use me for good works in 2024. We have to remember that. But second, what's another aspect of the Holy Spirit that Paul points out here? He uses the word renewal, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And that brings to mind for us the newness of life that the Holy Spirit gives us. More more than just a new year, we in our world, we need a new spirit. We need the new life that the Holy Spirit gives us. Because the new life of the Spirit gives us new strength. It gives us a strength that comes outside of ourselves. Another big reason why we are kept from doing the works that God has prepared for us to do is that we are trying to do them in our own strength. 
We are trying to do it in our own strength. And if we, if we remember that the Holy Spirit gives us newness of life, new strength, it, it pushes back this tendency that we have, that I have at least, that says if I can't do something perfectly, then I'm just not going to do it at all. I don't know if any of you struggle with that. Uh, and so in other words, again, those voices come up. I have to have the perfect words to share my faith or it just won't work. Or I have to have the perfect house to host my neighbors. Or, and all of it has to do with, with this, it all has to do with the assumption that it depends on me. That if I don't get it right in my own strength, then God can't use it. But that's not true because we have the Holy Spirit. And so our prayer should be, Lord, help me to take an action in faith, trusting that you will act, even if my own actions are still tainted with sin and imperfection, you can still work. We have newness of life, renewal from the Holy Spirit, and he is able to use even our feeble attempts to serve others. And so this morning, let grace be your foundation for 2024 by meditating on your salvation, by walking in the Spirit, but now I want to talk about something that is probably the most important how. How do we do this? How do we let grace be our foundation in 2024? It's this, by learning grace together. By learning grace together. Don't miss this. And it's easy to miss in this passage, but I want to point out that before this passage we've read this morning, Paul is mostly talking to Titus as a young pastor. He's talking to Titus about God's people. But now, in this passage, he uses the collective we, the plural first person to say, we have been saved by the loving kindness of God, our Savior. He includes himself and Titus. He says, Titus, you as a pastor, you need to see yourself in the same place as the people you're shepherding. Paul's saying, I need to see myself in the same place as the people I'm shepherding. Before we can teach others grace, we have to know it ourselves. And the only way that we can really know that is in a community of brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the only way this is, again, going to work from the head to the heart. And Paul says this in other part, places of Scripture, right? You remember in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, to, may you, together with all the saints, know the totality, the breadth, the depth, the heights of God's love for us in Christ, together with all the saints, implying that this can only happen if we do it together. This, this togetherness, this, this community, that, that is a lot harder. It can be a lot harder to achieve than we think be, because it goes beyond the, the sometimes superficial, even on Sunday morning, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. How are you? And it, it goes beyond that. It, it can be challenging. 
And there's reasons for that because it requires at least the following things. It requires time in a world that is so often filled with busyness and reasons for avoiding these kinds of relationships. It requires vulnerability, and that can be challenging. It requires telling, being willing to tell your story to others in a, in a relationship of trust, getting into not only the pretty parts of our lives, but the dark, uh, dark parts that we'd rather avoid. But also, it requires knowing your need for it that you need these kinds of relationships, of intimacy. Oftentimes, and, and we've all seen this happen, sometimes some of us go through a crisis and it's only when your life it blows up that you realize, I needed these kinds of relationships. Well, I would encourage you, don't wait for the crisis. Know that you need these kinds of relationships now. We need these relationships of intimacy and connection with each other. And when you're in that kind of relationship with your brothers and sisters, you're, you're able to do these things. You're able to tell your story. And so one way to think about it is, is if we look at verse 3, when Paul says that we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, you are willing with a trusted brother or sister to share these are the ways that I've been that way. These are the ways that I've, I've been malicious. I've been envious of others. The, these are the ways that I have been hated by others, that I have been wounded by others in ways that I have wounded and hated others. And I know from experience, and many of you know, that when you're in a relationship with someone like that, where they really know you and they speak gospel truth, into your heart, to your heart, that's when it really sinks in. That's when it really goes home, that Christ loved me and gave himself for me. We are, as one of our professors at uh, our seminary said, we are broken in relationships and we are healed in relationships. As we walk in those relationships with each other and we, we create a space for preaching the gospel to one another. That is how we can continue to let grace be our foundation in 2024. Everything we've talked about, right? Meditating on Christ's salvation, walking by the Spirit, you cannot do it by yourself. There are things that you can do by yourself, just, just studying the word and, and praying. You need to do that. But ultimately, we have to do it together in a community. One of the biggest reasons that we, 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 we struggle to do uh, works of mercy and outreach is sometimes it's just, it's just so overwhelming, right? Because who can change a community just by themselves? Who can, we, we might have these, these big ideas for God and we may even start going down that path, but we quickly burn out because especially us Westerners, right, we, we live sometimes in our own silos and we, we realize that I, I can't do this by myself and we, we burn out. But we want to start from that foundation of knowing that we are together, that this is, this is a community effort that we are called to do only through grace. 
because we can't do it by ourselves. And so, again, as you go into this new year, as you walk into 2024, I'll ask you, what is your foundation? What foundation are you building upon? Because everyone has one. And we're going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted to find other foundations. We always are. It could be your bank account. It could be your physical health. It could be the U.S. Constitution. None of these things are guaranteed. All of these things can be broken. But there is one foundation that will not be broken because it was laid by Christ, who is God, and therefore it cannot be broken. Let grace be your foundation as you go into 2024. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that when you ask us to do something, you do not ask us to do it in our own strength. Thank you that you are a good father and that when you ask your children to do something, you give them the resources to do it. Lord, for myself and for my brothers and sisters here, we're going to go into this new year and we're going to be tempted to think that it all depends on us. Lord, would you lovingly, kindly break our illusions of self-sufficiency that we cannot fix ourselves, that we need you, Holy Spirit, but also that we need each other. Lord, give us grace to be vulnerable with each other and simply ask for help, which can sometimes be the hardest thing to ask for. We thank you for all that you've done this past year. And we know that whatever happens, your love for us will never change. Help us to rest in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Alex, do you make New Year's resolutions? Yeah, same for me. <clears throat> uh, I have a couple this year. Uh, I, I'm not going to necessarily share them, but I'm 20% sure that I'll fail <laughs> at, at, at them. Uh, hopefully, they're uh, the right foundation. I, I, I don't know. I do appreciate and I'm grateful for new starts. I think I've said this before. I'm, I, I'm very grateful that we can turn a calendar to a new year. I am grateful oftentimes for new months, for new seasons, sometimes just for new times of a day as well, too. And uh, I'm grateful that God gives us new starts. I think we need those. And I hope that this message you've just heard, which I think was wonderful, at saying this is a foundation for moving forward, really becomes something that kind of anchors you in whatever may come. Because there are going to be lots of disappointments in the, in the year ahead. They're going to come in, uh, just internationally. They're going to come nationally. They'll come personally, uh, morally, perhaps, as well. What do you do with that? How do you respond? And if we don't have a firm grasp on, on the gospel, we're going to go back into old patterns of behavior that never work. 
So, and that's silly. We know that diagnostically right now from up front. Uh, I, I know that. Even just this past week, you know, one of the things that uh, Pastor Alex was sharing too, that if you can't do it perfectly, don't do it at all. That's something I thought I'd licked. That was, a, that was uh, something, and I, it became very clear that is not the case at all. So, so seeing, letting the gospel seep down to the kind of levels where you have jumped to default modes before and letting it con- continue to re- regenerate and renew you, I think is a great reminder for going into this, this next year. And I, I need that as desperately as you do. Alex, thanks for sharing. I, I love how God uses uh, different personalities. Uh, somebody, I think it was McShane, said, you know, preaching his personality on, on fire. If you talk to Alex, he's measured, calm, and, and uh, that's just who he is. Um, so that came out in the pulpit. And the, the, the strength of that is, uh, for me, I'm a hyper individual. I, I run on adult ADHD mode all the time and energy and sometimes speak too quickly because I'm so excited about everything. So thank you, Alex, for just being a calming influence for me, but anchoring us in what is true uh, again as well. Um, Every now and then we have response and reflection. I typically do this when I have preached uh, just so I can respond to any questions. But I'm curious, uh, and I'm up here to do it. Alex is finished. If, if in, in, cause I, I appreciate very much the community comments. I think that's a value that we have as a church, especially being maybe a little bit smaller. The presumption that there's only one person who has the truth and can share it is too much of a burden to bear and also neglects the beauty of God's people coming together. So just real quick responses, maybe something that uh, Alex shared from God's word that you appreciated or that helps, helps you frame your thinking for, for, the, for the next year. Uh, and I, I do want to say that we did something like this when my brother-in-law was here too, and he's had other church experiences. So he said, uh-oh, nobody's going to say anything. But that's not the case with Redeemer. I think we've cultivated a sense of you know, community in that respect as well. Um, and it's okay if nothing is shared, uh, but I think something maybe will be. Just kind of curious your response, uh, reflection on that message, what you took from it. It's Akira and Michelle, so she defers to you, Michelle. Mm-hmm. 